Kaden PR acknowledges the traditional owners of the land that this podcast was recorded and produced on, the Wurundjeri and Bunurong peoples of the East Kulin Nations. We pay our respect to their elders past, present and emerging, and we extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Welcome to The Press Office with Kate and Co PR, the podcast that gives you an exclusive and unfiltered look behind the scenes of the Australian media landscape and public relations industry. I'm your host, Marissa Jane, and if you are dreaming of a career in public relations, are an aspiring journalist, or simply just obsessed with all things digital and traditional media, then this is the podcast for you. Thank you so much for tuning back into the press office with Kate and Co PR today. And this episode was honestly a little bit of a pinch me moment because I got to talk to one of my ultimate girl crushes and someone who I've really admired for a long time in the industry. I am talking about none other than Emma Hawkins, who has worn many different hats during her career from being a designer, a stylist, an entrepreneur, a mother, and also an influencer and content creator. Today, Emma and I discuss all about how she got to where she was today, but we really unpack this term influencer and what living your life on social media is actually like. It was really interesting chatting to Emma and actually seeing what it's like being on the talent side instead of on the management or campaign side. So as always, we hope you enjoy this conversation and please do like, share, subscribe. Now let's get on to the interview. Hello, Emma, and thank you so much for joining us today here on The Press Office with Kate & Co PR. I am especially thrilled to be chatting to you because you're a bit of a fan favorite in terms of content creators of mine, so I'm very lucky. Oh, thank you. That's very nice. So do you mind introducing yourself, what you do and how you got to where you are today? I always find it so hard when someone says, what What do you do? I should be better at it. Um I am Emma Hawkins. I'm 30, I'm now 34 years old. I've just had a birthday. Mum of two, one on the way. And I am an entrepreneur. I run one small business and work for another medium to large business. And I'm a content creator as well. So I kind of run three have three businesses at the moment. So you're very busy and also quickly happy birthday. Oh, it was was a few weeks ago now. (laughs) That's fine. You can stretch it out. Birthdays last forever now, I think. (laughs) Now, so you have worn many hats through your career as a designer, a stylist, an entrepreneur, a mother, of course, and also an influencer. And the term influencer can be a little bit loaded and often quite misunderstood. So I would love to know what does the term influencer mean to you? Yeah, it's funny how how influencer had a, had or has some type of a negative connotation to it. Um, I either say influencer or content creator, and it depends to be completely honest, who I'm talking to. So if it's someone like yourself or in our industry, we get it, we understand. If it's someone like my dad's friend who's an accountant, who just to no fault of their own do not understand this new way of, you know, 
producing content in the digital world. So if I said influencer, he might think that, or he or she might think, oh God, influencer, because they've heard it in a negative way. So I'd probably say content creator for him. I'd say I produce content for various brands and they either use it on their platform. And I will also sell space on my platform, like traditional advertisers advertising does and promote it so the term influencer to me i guess i'm answering this in twofold that's what i think of the term influencer it's just another term really like it's a job and if that's how people describe your job or label it then that's what it is influencing is just a new medium of selling ad space now and creating advertisements. I think you're exactly right there. And so many brands now are incorporating it into their marketing campaigns, just as though they would spend with a magazine or buy ad space on a a TV network. Yeah. And I was looking back the other day when I was explaining to someone what I do and it's, I started my career off at ACP magazines working for Gourmet Traveller and and all the food titles. And I was in the sales team. So ultimately I was selling ad space in magazines. There'd be editorials, that editors that produce the content and then people like me that sell the space in the magazines all come up with creative ideas to so say some of my clients in the ad world were San Pellegrino and we would have read, like Gourmet Traveller reader dinners Um, I had Debordely Wines, like many clients and they would come to you with a budget and a brief and you would come up with a campaign that you could do in the magazine. So in a turn of events, what I'm doing now is not too dissimilar to what I started my career doing, which is ultimately I'm I'm in sales and I'm a creative and I love communication and I really like thinking outside the box on ways we can communicate a brand's message. So essentially I'm doing what I started doing just on a new platform And I was able to get there because I kind of rode the wave before we knew what this was going to be. I started blogging when blogs were just a thing. Like my first blog was Emma Dilemma. And I would write about my experience through university because I've always just liked creating content in some type. And before social media, I used to do a do-it-yourself page in the Geelong Addy. And I was always just creating things and I liked writing and Um, So I did blogging and then it just kind of naturally progressed to what we now have as a full-blown influencer industry. It's insane. And I love that connection. Like you literally have been doing this from the start of your career, but just in a a different format and a different medium. And looking back to those earlier days at ACP, would you have thought that your career would have been so dependent on the likes of social media back then? No, I I do remember in our sales meetings, you know, you'd get budgets from your clients and hopefully they were big ones. And we would always be competing against TV, radio, outdoor advertising um, or other magazines. So there's always a, a pie graph that every client has of where they are spending their money. And I started seeing like blogging and Instagram was starting to take place. And I remember a few clients were focusing on that, but it was, it was something that the magazine world, when I was working there, just, it wasn't on their radar. I don't think anyone could have predicted where this was going and how influential the industry itself would be through influences. Like As I said before, it wasn't like I sat down with a business plan and said, I want to be a content creator in five years. That role didn't exist. Um, It just, I rode the wave in real time, which was lucky for me because I could grow an organic audience much easier than you can today. It's really hard 
to do that today. So I take my hat off to people that can to, can do that in a really successful way. I agree. And it always reminds me of the conversation back at high school and that you would have careers, counsellors come in and they would say, half of the jobs that you're going to have when you grow up don't exist yet. And I was like, that is absolutely not true. They all exist. But no, they were right. Like TikTok didn't exist then. Instagram didn't exist then. Totally. And depending on your interests and your age and what's introduced at the time, it's you either ride the wave of the new things or you kind of get left behind. Like I'm really trying to get myself on TikTok, but I just I can't be bothered. <laughs> like I I need to. It's a part of my job, but I'm like I I don't know, have I now am I now at the other end where I'm like I'm not riding this new wave? I just someone else can do it? Or do I need to, you know, buck up and be like, it's a part, it's actually part of your job, you've got to do it. <laughs> so uh, it's um yeah, I mean the the thing with technology and apps is that it's just it's it's so quick that it's forever evolving. And it's so quick and it, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's opened up so many doors for me. It's, it's meant that I can work for various clients on my Emma Hawkins platform, which I just adore. I genuinely adore getting a brief and going, okay, how can I get this messaging across? And I feel really lucky that I've got such a great audience and we get each other. I feel like they are very, very receptive to the ads that I do because I always make sure that I know it's going to be relevant for them because if it's not relevant for them, the client's going to be unhappy, they're going to be unhappy. So it's a a lose-lose for everyone. Looping back into your career on social media, are there any campaigns in particular that come to mind as your favourite campaigns or kind of pinch me moments? Do you know what? It's probably actually, and it was through Kate Co-PR, my Yellow Glen gig that I got, which this is years ago now. It was my first big gig and it was the first where it was a lucrative deal for me as an influencer, but it was also a brand I really cherished working with. And I got to work on a content level where I was creating content for them on a monthly basis. So it was consistent work, but then we got to take it off content as well. And I was designing the terrace for the races with them I was trackside with them I was planning events and styling events and it was a really new multifaceted job for Yellow Glen and for me and it was one of the first really of getting an influencer more involved on a creative level a creative director level and that that partnership we worked together for six years which is incredible like that's very that is a really long-term client to have and it was a really successful relationship and I adored it and it was a really good opportunity for me because it opened other doors and it and it made me go okay we can do more than just create content together with clients so from there I mean I started my own business homegrown kids because I'm like I basically have a focus group at my hands and I've got mothers that are engaged and I want to learn from them so I started my own business with series life again I do content creation with them on my channel and on theirs but I'm also involved in their business from a creative point of view as well so Yellow Glen really that job really opened my eyes to what more we can do I love that you mentioned that campaign because I think it's actually a really good lesson for PRs and marketers that are listening that is there a way to get an influencer or content creator involved that is a little bit more organic for them to promote than just being like here's a product 
take some photos because you were involved in that campaign and then that just makes it so authentic. Totally. I lived and breathed it. I knew their key messages off by heart. I knew where they wanted to take the brand and it made it so much more authentic. It made it regular for my audience and theirs and it's a really good way yeah, for PR and marketing. It's, it's, it's what we're doing yeah, with Series Life now the regular exposure and being involved in the business. So so you can do it two ways where if it's a one-off campaign, say I've just like for Mother's Day at the moment because we're, we're about to head into Mother's Day, there's really key messages and it's specific to, for the time and they will work. But I do find like the longer term stuff you do, say even if it's three months, six months, 12 months, you can you can wrap your head around the KPIs of the businesses a bit more and be a bit more creative and do more as well. Yeah. And I think too, it's like that brand association. If someone said your name, I immediately think Toyota because I know you work with at the moment. Yeah. Definitely. I've always tried to retain clients, like long-term clients for that reason. I think it's more beneficial for me and them and it's just more authentic. But in saying that though, I do know there are other influences that can promote a wide range of things all during the week. They can promote a skincare this week and then another brand next week. And there's certain influences that that's just their aesthetic and people and it's been like that from the start and people expect that and they're okay with that for me long-term brands work better um and smaller having a smaller pool of clients like I always say quality over quantity is my motto in business that's how I prefer it again it goes down to like what are the goals of the brand's campaign is it you want mass awareness or is it a longer term game that you're playing exactly exactly So from working behind the scenes in PR and media, I know that social media and having a career in that field, it isn't all glitz and glamour and there definitely is the dark side to it all. And it isn't easy every day, even though I know you make it appear that way. So I would love to just like hear what are some parts of the job that you might not enjoy so much or are things that people might not really know about? The thing, people probably don't know that I'm still doing the homegrown kids social media. I have a bit of a control issue and also that's what I am that's my role I'm I'm good at social media so I should be doing that for my business it is very hard as a mom and as a business owner to switch off because social media and just the way we work these days it's like you're always contactable and reachable and always need to be on and people have lost patience. They want a response soon. And particularly if it's my homegrown kids brand, customer service is really important to me. So I don't want people waiting, but I also feel I have had to put boundaries up because or else you can be online all the time and I need to be present at home for my own sanity and for my children. So that's, I find it hard being on all the time with social media, but to be honest, I've now I'm pretty good at being strict with it with my, like I just turn my phone off now. I actually find the biz the because I'm such a creative and you've probably got me on a day because I've just spoken to my accountant. I find the business time like the numbers and you know what? I find the boring stuff the hardest. I mean it's boring to me so I don't do it and it always goes on the last of my list cuz I like doing all the creative stuff and um, so I find the numbers and the accounting side of running businesses the hardest. You know, you can't be good at everything. I just, you seriously, you've got me on a day where I was just speaking to Chris, my accountant, and I'm like, but I, I, I don't get it. 
And he's like, come in, we'll get the whiteboard out again. (laughs) You're like, no, thank you. I do not need that. (laughs) I don't think a lot of people know, and whether whether this is interesting for people or not, the process of creating content now is very different to what it was three, two or three years ago. So so maybe three years ago, you get a brief from Sam Pellin, it'd be a pretty top line brief and you'd produce the content and you'd post it. Now it is very much, there is legalities to it and certain clients want very specific things. So you get a brief, you have to shoot it, you have to send it back. There could be three approval processes in that time and then you might have to make changes and then it goes back so it can be like what used to take and can take depending on your client maybe a day or two or to to pull something around sometimes it can take over a month and then you've got to try and plan all of your other content and make it all work so there is a lot more behind the scenes of just putting it out there now and I personally think with using influencers for advertising and this is just my personal opinion you go to influencers for their style because they know what resonates with their audience and it works better in real time where you feel like it is that day as opposed to a produced ad now there are some times where a produced ad works really well because you need it a bit more tailored and high-end and people appreciate a really nice reel that looks polished and there are other times where I think it's just whether it's I'm promoting my new pots that I'm generally in the kitchen that day cooking bolognese for the kids but it's it's very rare that you can do content like that these days it's very planned out the approval process does need to be big as well because there are heaps of this is a genuine advertising platform now and other platforms like tv radio and outdoor have legislations and rules that you need to follow so influencers and instagram should 100 percent have those as well i've i'm a big believer and encourager of influencers should all be saying sponsored add whatever you need to do it's illegal not to i think the legislations are important it just has changed how you produce content now though yeah definitely and i think there there definitely is that like increased level of approvals and i think as more and more money is invested into influencers obviously then like the expectation from these businesses is higher as well yeah and they can't risk certain industries like the beauty industry can't risk not approving captions or content anymore because they themselves have so much legislation around how they can promote their brand. So it makes complete sense and I'm um, all here for it. It, I, I think it is something that people don't understand though, the back end of getting a brief to producing the work to then actually getting it on your Instagram feed now can take, uh, it takes a lot longer. Yeah, it's definitely not food and post anymore, 100%, which I I do agree. It does have its like negative points as well. And in terms of your followers and your comments, have you ever had to deal with any negative commentary uh, on Instagram in particular? Much more years ago, I think it's gotten better and it's, it was always on my appearances. And to be fair, never from my 
audience. I don't think it was always when I was going to an AFL Brownlow or something more in my husband's space where more people would just attack my appearances. And look, as a 20 year old, that definitely affected me. Now I'm just like, I'm so tired and busy all the time. I, like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> but it's probably was more in that space. MySpace, I've been really lucky. I must have really nice followers. <laughs> and if there is anything that triggers me, it totally depends on the day. Like anyone would know. I could have a week where I'm feeling really confident and nothing would affect me. Or I would have could have a week where I'm feeling like crap because I'm tired or I've just had a baby and I'm not feeling myself and something little will trigger me. Um, so yeah, I just, I block and delete if anything does, but I'm really lucky. And I do think it's gotten a lot better. It was definitely, it was pretty vicious there a while back, but I've been pretty lucky. I also don't go looking for it either. I think that was a lesson I learned where, well, it wasn't actually my fault. Someone told me, have you checked out the AFL Facebook comments? I'm like, oh my God, why did that person? Like, I had no idea. I thought I'd look great that day. <laughs> and then I got off their Facebook page. I'm like, holy hell, that's horrible. I like never want to leave the room because <laughs> apparently I'm just horrific looking. Um, but that was not on my page. That was someone else's. Um, and people just shouldn't tell anyone if they are negative because I'm just like in my own little bubble thinking everyone's lovely. <laughs> I think you should stay in that bubble. And I think Instagram actually, they're quite good at filtering comments. And I know that like, if you are having trouble with it, you can actually filter out comments that say a specific word. So you could have something about like, I don't know, your nose or whatever someone has an insecurity about, they can kind of filter comments out from that. Whereas I believe TikTok is getting a little bit negative and is quite dangerous there. I've heard TikTok's a whole new ball game. So maybe that's why I don't want to delve too deep in there either. Don't start there. But but any, say, young talent who, who are listening or even just anyone navigating social media in their own personal life, do you have any kind of tips of advice on how to deal with any of that stuff that we do not need in our life? Look, I can I can joke and stuff about it now, but to to be fair, there were there were hundred percent some weeks and some days that people have got me down on social media, and I used to always think, gosh, if I'm you know a thirty year old woman feeling so upset about a few comments, like how on earth do sixteen year old girls navigate this or anyone else um and I've been in the industry for a long time I'm relatively thick skin but I'm still you know you're still human my best advice would be to make sure you're in a really good headspace yourself before you enter in to this space and if you are for any reason having a bad week or not feeling very strong then just remove remove yourself from it and don't don't put yourself out there and just protect yourself when you can block and delete and just remember other people's comments about you is more of a reflection on them like I've genuinely can say hand on heart I have never commented negatively on someone's image whether I or, or what they're doing whether I agree with it I might have private conversations at the home with my husband or a friend but I've never felt the need to ever comment and so I can only imagine the headspace that someone is in if they feel the need to do that and my dad always used to say people's opinions of you is none of your business <laughs> like it shouldn't if you don't know them and they don't affect you 
Like you shouldn't worry about what they think. And I know that's easier said than done. So my advice would be when all else fails, just remove yourself from it until you're in a really good headspace where you can kind of do what I do sometimes and just block, delete and laugh it off. That is a great piece of advice because, you know, even sometimes for me, it's it just gets too much social media and if you're having a bad week you don't want to see everyone out and about and partying too or even in lockdowns lockdowns were the worst when melbourne was the only like state in lockdown and all your friends interstate were out at bars and you're like no when i'm pregnant like so now or after i've had the baby I unfollow all of those fitness accounts that show the before and after body transformations because they just make me feel like shit. Now, that's not an attack on them. That is something about me. Like, that's on me. So you've got to remember you have the power to follow who you want to follow. And if something is having a negative effect on you, don't follow them or remove yourself from it or put your blinkers on. Like, I do not want to see anyone's body transformation and how fit they look after I've given birth. Like, not for a year at least. That's the thing. Protect yourself. You put yourself in these situations so you can take yourself out of them. Now, you are represented by the lovely Gemma Sampson. So I would love to know what is your relationship like with her and what do you think makes a great talent and manager relationship? Oh, that's a lovely question. I adore Gemma. She's been a friend of mine for maybe 15 or 14 10 to 15 years, I can't exactly remember. And I've been a friend of Gemma's outside the industry and then we've also worked together on bits and pieces in the industry. And I actually asked Gemma, her background's PR, not talent management, but I always thought she'd be really good at it. And I really appreciated her PR skills as well, having homegrown kids and being involved in other businesses. That was really, I knew that would be really important and a great asset to have. But always, you know, you get a bit, I would have understood if she didn't want to represent me because we're friends but we seem to work really well together it's kind of we talk business and then that stops and then we can be friends again and she just gets me gets the industry really well everyone loves working with her which is really important and she is lovely to work with she's smart and I just genuinely appreciate all that she does she um she runs a really good show and I think I'm in, like, because I'm only, her only talent as well. We have a really, it's like an everyday kind of chatting relationship. And because she's a mum as well, she kind of gets, I will say yes to most things. That's my downfall, where she will put boundaries up for me, which is what I need and needed. And I think what makes a good talent manager is I could never be one. Well, I'll put that out there because... I'm like, and especially when I'm pregnant, I'm like a goddamn yo-yo at the moment. She'll speak to me in the morning. I'm like, hello, how are we? And then like after lunch, I'm like, hi. I'm so erratic at the moment. So I think what makes a good talent manager, she's very patient. She's very good at communicating. And you have to communicate between client, talent, make sure everyone's happy, make sure everyone's work. It's it's a really hard job. I think it'd be, I could never do it. No way. <laughs> It, it definitely is a different ball game being a talent manager than being a publicist or being talent. So yeah, go Gemma. Love that. I have to chat about your very own children's wear label, Homegrown Kids. What made you start the business? Well, I wanted to work on something that I could, I could see from social media what I could do for other brands. So I was able to learn so much from doing content for other brands and and I could see the traction I could get, quite frankly. And I thought, you know, I'd really like to do something 
where I could translate this to myself and grow something over the next few years. So I could have something, yeah, really for myself and something a bit more tangible. The idea was to grow it and then we might sell it as my children grow up as well. So it's the idea for the for the actual clothing label came because I, I was in a stage where, you know, I was having babies and I was dressing my babies and it was my world. And I have always been interested in that space. And I just saw this gap in the market for something that was very Australian orientated and just for clothes to be clothes for kids, not like on trend clothes and not glitter and unicorns and bears and dinosaurs like because there is a market and a space for that but I thought there was a little space missing for just more of some neutral timeless pieces in the children's space. The clothing so cute so you certainly have an eye for it and do you think that your social media following has helped with the business? Yeah absolutely it's it's a big chunk of the business so I'm in the business with my friend Penny and she's the designer and I'm basically, again, the salesperson. And it means that we've got a focus group. It's incredible. Like we ask the audience all the time, what, what do you want? What can we do better? And we have instant feedback. And it's meant that with the startup of a business, our initial investment really went to, obviously, the branding, the website, the stock and all other expenses we've had. We've been able to save a lot of money in our marketing budget had we not had my platform on Emma Hawkins or Homegrown Kids' Instagram and just, um, you know, the the value of being able to my friends in the industry who I'm so grateful for, they've supported me so much, that value alone has saved us so much in marketing that it's been really crucial because it's meant that we can put it elsewhere and anyone else who has any experience in retail knows that cash flow can be really tricky to manage in your first one to four years of retail business because you're constantly reinvesting back into stock and everything else to keep the business going so it's a huge huge asset for us well you're doing an amazing job with it now I would love to ask you a few specific questions about PRs and how you best work with us and how we can be better at our job Firstly, do you have a preferred way to work with a publicist? I like just getting to know, which has been hard the last two years. I like the real face-to-face connection with with um, publicists. I think that I think once you develop a really personal relationship, there's a lot in in PR. Like you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. There's a real level of understanding and respect. And if you don't have that face-to-face or that that genuine relationship. It's hard to break through on both ends. So it is, it's all about relationships really, which sounds so basic because it's like public relations, but it's really um, having good relations with, with the publicists is, is what I like to start with. And I, I think you've hit the nail on the head there that without those in-person meetings and opportunities at events and stuff, it has been a little bit tricky, but I guess you just have to be a little bit creative, get on a Zoom call or call people people up and go from there and do you have any kind of pet hates with working with publicists uh not really the only thing okay so sometimes pr publicists will send an email and it might be about a pr release or gifting or whatever it is 
and it's I don't respond to emails unless it says hello Emma because I can tell it's been like hi love hi babe that's been copied and pasted or BCC and sent to a list of 20 people not many people do that but you can tell some people and I you know to be fair I was an intern once and they've probably been told send this to 50 people and they can't be bothered or you can tell that they've changed the name in the first sentence but they haven't changed the font Totally would have done that as well when I was interning, but it's um I do notice it, and I'm it's probably rare that I'll look too into it if I can if I feel like it's just a blanketed email. And do you prefer people to go direct to you or go through Gemma or a bit of both? You're happy with whatever. I like to me, and then I usually hand it to Gemma straight away. But it just means I know that it's hit the hit my desk, and I can also then respond to the publicist or the team so to let them know I have seen it with my own eyes, I'm across it, Gemma will be taking it over now. And I think that's like it's a nice respect thing as well to to acknowledge it straight off. Yeah, I think so too. And then that way you can also straight away see it and say to Gemma like, yep, I'm keen, this is a brand I would work with, instead of her kind of asking for all the details when it could be a no-go zone from the start. We already kind of discussed this about the best way to build relationships is in person. But if we can't or we don't have any events with you in the near future and we go, we really want to work with Emma in in the upcoming kind of months or years, how should we reach out to you and start that relationship? So I think a really easy way to start a relationship when, when it's not necessarily about like we've got this for you right now, we want to chat, like just develop a, a relationship would be to, and we'll say we'll use me for an example, like, hi, Emma, how are you? Um, hope all's well in your world. Would love it if you had a 20-minute time next week to do a Zoom where you could tell us what you're working on in the next six months and what you would like to be working on in the next six months because I might have a list of clients that I'm desperate to work with or a few ideas that if I put 20 minutes aside and you put 20 minutes aside and we just chat about like, you know, I maybe I could say something like, I really want to get more into the tech space. I feel like my content's missing some, you know, or, or the business space a bit more. And then you guys might be like, well, you know what? We're actually working with Harvey Norman next month. Or like, just so there's that, it, it, it's not about like signing off a deal or trying to get a deal initially. It's just a general chat of like, hey, what are you working on? What are you guys working on? Do you have any goals for the next six months? It would be great to know because if anything hits our desk, we and then that goes back to what we were saying before, like developing authentic content because if you know I'm really keen on this brand or doing something in this space, you know I'll produce really good content for it and I'm then top of mind and you're top of mind. So I think like general 20-minute catch-ups on goals and what you're working on can be really beneficial for both parties. I agree. And it definitely just means that you're aligned and you can just cut out all of that back and forth. Yeah. And we are sadly nearing the end of the interview. But before we finish, I have four quick fire questions for you. Are you ready? Yeah. Email or phone call? Email. Zoom or in-person meetings? Zoom, only because I'm on a farm now and I can never be bothered going to Melbourne. That is very fair enough. What is your typical day in media consumption? Instagram. All day, every day. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's Instagram. Well, I think you've already answered my next question. Instagram, Facebook or TikTok? (laughs) Yeah, not TikTok. No, guys, if anyone's listening, I am on TikTok. (laughs) Give me a follow. <laughs> I love it. No, yeah, Instagram. Oh, TikTok. 
We will never understand it, but we all love it still. I waste so much time on it. <laughs> Do you? I'm never on it. I probably need to get on it. I don't like make TikToks, but I just scroll. Yeah. Do you know what I weirdly consume on Instagram? Art channels, like people painting or do. And I'm not a, I'm not into art, but I just find it. Oh, I'm addicted to watching art channels, like watercolorists, and it's weird. Well, maybe you need an an art campaign coming up next. Maybe that's next for you. Yeah, do you have any art clients? <laughs> well, anyway, thank you so much for joining us, Emma. We really appreciate your time. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you for listening to The Press Office with Kate and Co PR. Please subscribe, rate and review via your favourite podcast app and please give us a follow, like and share on Instagram at Kate Co PR.